A great blessing. Father, we just approach your word reverently. We approach it humbly. We ask that you would speak to us through your word. Precious Holy Spirit, I pray that the eyes of our hearts would be flooded with light and our hearts would be strengthened. And Lord, above all, we purpose in our heart not just to hear your word, but to do it in the name of Jesus. And so shall we be blessed in our doing. And everyone said amen. Amen. (coughs) Well, we know this, that our Father loves us as much as he loves Jesus. He does. And so, as we said last week, therefore, we can face life challenges boldly, but we also don't have to walk through life afraid of life's problems. After all, he is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he did raise him from the dead. And not only that, he will raise you up, he will raise me up from anything, come on somebody, from anything and everything we need to be raised from. So we see then from the Word of God that He raised up the Lord and He's raising us up on a daily basis. Now I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 8 through 10. The Apostle Paul was facing some great uh, stress and some great trials in the province of Asia. And let's notice in his own words what he said from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, For we would not, brethren, have you to be ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But he said, We had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead." who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Now let me read this to you from the message translation. I believe it will bless you. He said, we don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. It was so bad we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we had been sent to death row that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened because instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God how much? We were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. And he did it. He rescued us from certain doom and he'll do it again rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. Amen. So this morning, I want to talk about walking with your good, good father. Did you know that your heavenly father is looking for walking partners? How many of you have a walking partner? You know, maybe you walk around Lake Merritt or you walk around Lake Elizabeth or you walk around the neighborhood. It's in those times of walking that you get to know one another. It's in those times of walking that you have intimacy and you can share your feelings and your thoughts with your friend. Amen? Well, your Heavenly Father is looking for a walking partner. I believe that our answer ought to be, yes, Lord, I'll walk with you today. I'll walk with you for my entire life. Amen? What a blessing that your good, good father wants to walk with you. He said, I'll walk in them. I'll dwell in them. 
I will be their God and they shall be my children. Now here's the good news. In the book of Hebrews, in the 8th chapter, in the 11th verse, it says this at the end of the verse. He says, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. I love that verse of Scripture. He says, Everyone should know me. Everyone should not just learn about me or read Scriptures about me, but everyone from the least to the greatest should experience the good, good Father. Everyone in this auditorium should know Him and walk with Him and live in fellowship with Him. What an invitation it is to a glorious visitation from the Father. Paul said it like this. He said, I know in whom I have believed. He said, I know Him. He just didn't say, I know about Him. Or I've heard about him. But Paul says, I have an intimate relationship with him. Oh, it's a great day when you have intimacy and a great relationship with your good, good father. Paul said this, it is my determined purpose that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Oh, hallelujah. And so in 2 Timothy 1.12, he said once again, for I know whom I have believed. And as a result of knowing him, Paul said, and I'm persuaded. He said, I am persuaded that my good, good father is able. Are you persuaded that he's able? When you get to know him, you know his power, you know his love, and you know his ability, and you become persuaded that whatever you may face in your life, whatever you have committed to him, he is able to keep it until the day he returns. Oh, hallelujah. See, it's possible to know scriptures and not know the author of the scriptures. Jesus summed it up by saying this, And this is life eternal, that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ from whom thou hast sent. That's the summation of eternal life. That's the summation of life and abundant life and the good quality of life that he came to give. That we may know him. How many have ever heard of a gentleman by the name of Enoch? Enoch is in the hall of faith. And I want us to take a look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5. And let's learn just a little bit about Enoch. In 11.5 it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had translated him. In other words, he took him from one place to a better place. Before before he had his translation, here's what Enoch's testimony was. That he pleased who? So Enoch pleased God. And you and I can please him. Because the next verse says, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and what is he? He is a rewarder of those who diligently do what? Who diligently seek him. Enoch was a seeker of God. The Bible says in Genesis 5 that Enoch walked with God. He walked with God. He drew near 
to his father. He drew near to his God and it pleased him. It pleased the father when Enoch walked with him. And how did Enoch walk with him? He walked with him by faith. The same way that you and I are walking with him today is we walk with him by what? We walk with him by faith. As we draw near to him, whom though we have never seen before, he will draw near to us. Listen, the scripture says that he will reward those who have a heart to know him. He will reward those that diligently seek Him. If you will honor Him with your life by having a heartfelt desire to seek Him and to know Him and to love Him, He will honor you with His presence. I'm telling you, He will take you from one place to another place. He will take you on in your life from faith to faith, strength to strength, victory to victory, and glory to glory. Oh, hallelujah. He's looking for some walking partners. Say it with me today. Look no further, Lord. I will walk with you. For I will walk by faith and not by sight. See, we do not know God by our feelings. We don't know God by necessarily our... uh, (laughs) How can I say it? How we feel on Monday or how we feel on Tuesday. You and I walk with God by faith. So the question is then this morning, when we're walking with our good, good father, how do we do that? How do we do that? You know, Amos had some insight into how that you and I walk with God. Look with me at Amos, the third chapter and the third verse. Here's an important truth about walking with him. Notice this verse. It says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, the word agree means to be in harmony with. To walk with our father, we must agree with him. Every time I disagree with him or you disagree with him, guess what? We are wrong. Now, why is that? Because he is always absolutely and positively right and correct. Can two walk together? Now, the word together, it gives the idea of two people moving in rhythm together. Moving in rhythm together. Kind of like when you get on a tandem bike. How many of you have ever been on a tandem bike before? In the, none of you. Okay. A uh, couple of you. So on a tandem bike, you have the person in the front, which is the pilot, right? And the pilot does the steering, and the pilot sets the pace. The pilot determines the flow. The pilot determines the tempo. And the person that is riding in back kind of follows suit and follows very carefully the pilot. Well, is not Jesus and our good, good Father our heavenly pilot? Amen. You see, here's the thing I want to say to you this morning. It's not about me or you getting God into rhythm with us. But it's about us getting ourselves into rhythm with Him. See, your Heavenly Father has a rhythm. 
And it's an awesome rhythm. The word rhythm means a pattern. He has a pattern. The word rhythm also means a tempo. The word rhythm also means a flow. Find out what your good, good father's rhythm is and move with him. And so the question then we could ask ourselves, okay then, what kind of rhythm or what kind of flow is our father in? Well, I'll tell you one thing. He's in the love flow. He's in the peace flow. He's in the joy flow. He's in the fruit of the Spirit flow. He is patterned after the fruit of the recreated human spirit. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. And notice with me uh, some verses there. Let us move with him in these days and in these hours. In Galatians 5.22 he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then he goes on to say the flow of the Spirit or the walk in the Spirit or what is walking with God. For the fruit of the Spirit is love. You know, when you're walking in love and you're walking with your Father, you're walking free from strife. You're walking free from unforgiveness. Now, how many of you have ever been presented with strife? How many of you have ever been presented with a difficult situation? Perhaps it is getting along with somebody. But you can remind yourself, hey, I've made the decision, I'm walking with my father. And my father walks in love. Therefore, I'm not going to enter into that zone of strife. I'm not going to enter into that zone of backbiting. I'm not going to enter into that zone of being critical or judgmental because I'm in rhythm with him. And being in rhythm with him means also being in rhythm with the joy of the Lord. Have you ever been presented with a down day before? Have you ever been presented with depression before? Well, when those things knock on the door of your life, remind yourself, I've made the quality decision. I'm walking with my good, good father. And my father walks in joy. Therefore, I make the choice to rejoice rather than to be sad. I make the choice to shout rather than to pout. I make the choice to be happy rather than to be sad because my father is filled with joy and he's put his joy on the inside of me. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then, what kind of flow is your father in? What kind of rhythm is he in? Do you really want to walk with him? If you're going to walk with him, then you must walk in peace. There's a million and one things that will try to rob us of our peace. I mean, just turn the television on if you want to lose your peace. (laughs) Just listen to some of the talking heads out there. I mean, they'll talk the word right out of you. Just, just watch what's going on in the world and you lose your peace real quick. But remind yourself, no, I'm walking with my father. And my father is in the peace flow. Therefore, I'm going to choose peace over this bad news. I'm going to choose peace over this worry. I'm going to choose peace over this anxiety. And I'm going to live my life in the peace of God that passes all understanding. Amen.
And so this fruit of the Spirit is love. Walk in love. Walk in joy. Walk in peace. Walk in long-suffering. <laughs> walk in goodness. Walk in faithfulness. Walk in meekness. Walk in temperance. Against such there is no law. How many of you know what temperance is? Temperance is what we are not oftentimes. <laughs> temperance literally means self-control. To be temperate means to be patient in traffic. You know, we live in a very fast-paced society. And have you noticed that the freeways are getting more backed up by the year? I've noticed that on the way to the church, even going the back way of the church, what used to take me 15 minutes sometimes takes me 25 and 30 minutes because of the press of the traffic. And I'm telling you, you can lose your self-control in traffic. Hey, that person in front of you can't hear you anyway. (laughs) So you might as well save it. And you might as well save your soul. What I remind myself oftentimes when I'm in traffic is, okay, Mark, chill. Be cool. Be patient. Operate in self-control. And I've discovered this that it takes me about the same amount of time to get there as I would if I lost my temper and lost control. But when I arrive at my destination, I'm full of peace. I'm not all stressed out. I'm blessed out. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm too blessed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. So this is the rhythm your father is in. He's in the rhythm of love. He's in the rhythm of joy. He's in the uh, rhythm and river of peace. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Lord. Say with me, he's my good, good father. And I'm making the choice to walk with him. God's looking for walking partners. Why did he go down in the cool of the day to Adam and Eve? He went down there to talk with them. He went down there to walk with them. You see, your father created you for enjoyment. He created you for fellowship. He created you for companionship. He created you for mutual delight and shared dominion. I'm telling you today, your good, good father longs to walk with you. Look at James, the fourth chapter, and notice with me in verse 8. James, the fourth chapter and the eighth verse. You know, sometimes it's just good to let our eyes rest on the Word. God bless you. Amen. A double blessing be upon you. James, the fourth chapter and the eighth verse. Draw near to God... And he will look the other way. Huh? Now, how about this? Draw near to God, and if he's not too busy talking to Pastor Tom, he'll draw near to you. Draw near to God, and if you've been super Christian, 
If you've obeyed all the rules and you've obeyed all the regulations, every T crossed, every I dotted, he might just give you the time of day. No. He is not aloof from the heart or a, of a man or a woman that sincerely draws near to him. One translation says that if you'll come close to him, he'll come close to you. Amen? Amen. And so he's waiting on us to draw near to him because he has a glorious visitation for you and for me. Amen? Now here's the thing I want to say to you today, and that is this. You can know him for yourself. You can know him for yourself. We should get out of this idea of knowing him vicariously through someone else. Now, I appreciate great testimonies, and I appreciate what God has done for other people. And I'm so thankful for what the Lord does and, and, and all of the breakthroughs that people get. Amen? You know, when I hear of someone getting a breakthrough, I rejoice. For example, if you get a new automobile, I'll go out in the parking lot and I'll run around your car five or six times rejoicing, thanking God, because that's a scriptural thing to do. But then I'll get in my own car and I'll say, thank you, Lord, me too. <laughs> me too. Everyone say, me too. Me too. Amen. Amen. So thank God for what he speaks through other people. Thank God for what he's done for other people. Yeah. But you are uniquely created in his image and in his likeness. And he is no respecter of persons. He wants to do in you and for you what he's done for others. So let's not get into this thing of, you know, get into so-and-so said and so-and-so did this and so-and-so had this testimony. Why don't we keep our eyes on Jesus and let's get to know him for ourselves. How about that woman at the well in Samaria? She was out there in Samaria drawing water, and, and, and Jesus came up to her, and he said, Give me to drink. And she was really taken back. And she says, Well, the Jews don't have any dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus began to talk with her and to instruct her. He said, Look, he said, This water that you're drawing, if you drink of that, you'll thirst again. But if you will drink of the living water that I will give you, you'll never thirst again. And the woman said, oh, yeah, give me of this water to drink. How many of you want that kind of water to drink? I mean, the kind of water that quenches your thirst for eternity. And so Jesus, you know, he's talking with her. And let's pick it up in John, the fourth chapter. And, and in verse 10, he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, you would have asked him and would have given thee living water. And the woman said in verse 11, For thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then thou hast this living water? Art thou greater than our Jacob, our father, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drink of this water shall never thirst again. But whoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into what kind of life? And she says, give me this water. And in verse 16, she, Jesus said to her, okay, go call your husband and come on hither. 
And then the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, You've well said, I have no husband, for you have had five. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that thou saidest thou truly. And the woman said unto him, Sir, I believe that you're a prophet. And so Jesus talks to her about worship and how God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And uh, in verse 25, the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, when he has come, he will tell us all things. And in verse 26, Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And in verse 27, And upon this came his disciples, and marveled, and that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? And the woman then left her water pot, and went into the city, and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him. For the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with him, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of your saying, for we have heard him for ourselves, and we know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And so we see this from that, that we can get to know him for ourselves. When you know him for yourself, it will be easy to trust him. Don't be satisfied with someone else's knowledge of God. Be inspired by it. Learn by it. But you can get to know him on a personal level. He gave you a book, you know. He gave you a book with 66 books in it. Amen. And in this word, we find out who he is. In this word, we become acquainted with him. I encourage you to read his book. You can know him through the book. You can know him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 John chapter 2 and verse 27. You can understand this book by the anointing that lives in you. It said in 1 John 2.27, But the anointing which you have received of him, where does it abide? Say this with me. The anointing lives in me. The anointing abides in me. Now, what will this anointing do? This anointing, the scripture says will teach you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing, what does it do? It teaches you all things and is truth and is no lie. And even as it has been taught you, you shall abide in him. You see, faith comes by hearing. And hearing the anointed word, right? So as you hear an anointed pastor, you hear an anointed teacher, you hear an anointed prophet, you know what happens? Faith comes. But it's not really a man teaching you when we keep our eyes on Christ and man gets out of the way. Come on, somebody. 
It is the anointing that teaches us. Now, when we go home from church, that anointing doesn't leave you. That anointing lives on the inside of you. And that anointing is there to teach you. That anointing is there to instruct you. So as you pay close attention to the anointed one and his anointing, which is the Christ and the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you, he will reveal, he will unfold, he will teach you of your good, good father. He will show you things to come. He will reveal Jesus unto you. Amen. Say with me, I can understand this book. The Word of God, because the anointing teaches me. So purpose in your heart this morning that you're going to get to know Him for yourself. And that you're going to walk with your good, good Father. Now I said a little bit earlier, and I'll say it again, that to experience Him, we must seek Him. To experience Him, we must have a heart to know Him. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and verse 19. Just the first part of that verse. In 1 Corinthians 22 verse 19, part A, it says this. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Set your heart and your mind to know the Lord your God. Now, what this speaks to me of today is this speaks to me of focus. If I will set my heart and I will set my mind to know him, that means this, that I am not going to allow distractions to keep me away from the word. I'm not going to allow my life to be distracted by the cares of this life. Now, I have a a place in my home that I sit and I study and I have communion and I worship and I pray. And uh, I've noticed this, that in the morning, right before I start getting in the Word and start praying, it's almost automatic there's a trigger of thoughts that go through my mind of all the things that I should be doing rather than reading the Word. (laughs) All the things that I could be doing instead of praying. And so oftentimes I just start out with, Heavenly Father, I worship you, I magnify you, I give you glory and I give you praise. And these thoughts come. Check StubHub. Maybe the tickets have gone down for the Warriors game on Monday night. Lord, I thank you. This is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Look at Flickster and see what's playing at the movies tonight. Brenda wanted to see that movie. Oh, Father, glory to God. I magnify you. I give you praise. Thank you, Lord. See, I'm stirring myself up. I need to be stirred up. But all these thoughts and these distractions keep coming. Look at the floor. It's dirty. Get up and sweep it. Those bananas over there are almost rotten. Get up. Go to Safeway. Get some new... I mean, he will think of everything under the sun to try to distract you. And I know I'm right. I can tell by your response that I'm right. But this is where we must set our heart and we must set our mind and we must do our level best to reject those thoughts, to cast down those imaginations and just keep on 
pressing into his presence. Keep on saying what the scriptures say. Keep on worshiping him. Keep on declaring what thus saith the Lord. You ought to be reading at least one proverb a day. And you ought to be reading at least one chapter from the New Testament every day. And we should not be reading the Bible just to get through our little ritual. How many of you know it's easy to get in ritual spiritually? Somebody says, how do you know that? Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. But... Christianity is not about ritualistic religiosity. Christianity is about relationship and fellowship. Now listen, sometimes you just have to force yourself to just slow down. We're going to read the Word now. And we're going to let the Word speak to us. We ought not to be so interested in doing some race reading. We should be doing meditative reading. How many of you, the Lord has ever spoken to you through Scripture? Take the time to read the Word. And then, here's another good thing to do. Write down and journal what the Lord is saying to you about what you just read. Meditate on the Word. Then go over to the New Testament And just read a chapter in the New Testament and see how that applies to you. This is one way that you walk with your Father. This is how you get into rhythm with Him. He's in a certain flow. He's in a certain tempo. He has a certain pattern. And His tempo and His flow and His pattern is designated and designed for us through the Word of God. And so as you open up the word of the Lord and refuse to be distracted because you've set your heart and you've set your mind on him, what's happening? You're becoming focused. You're becoming a person that is not wishy-washy and wavering and back and forth, but your heart is fixed. Your mind is set on him. And when your mind is set on Him and your heart is fixed on Him, here's what you're doing. You're beginning to walk with Him. You're beginning to understand His flow and His temple and His pattern for your life. And I'm telling you, that is a good thing. Now, here's why. Because what you and I set our hearts and our minds on, we open our spirit to. It's a truth. Whatever we behold as a way of life is what we will become. Now, that's positive or negative. Somebody says, well, I can sit there and watch violence all day long and it won't affect me. Oh, yeah, right. Is that why you just lost your temper? No. You cannot feed on the things of this world and expect to walk with your father. Your father has a way of life. He has a way of thinking. He has a way of being. He has a way of doing. You see, in Romans it says this, for to be carnally minded is death, right? But he says this, but to be spiritually minded now brings life and it brings peace into your life. And so if you'll set your heart and your mind on him, 
He'll give you peace. Look at Isaiah 26 and notice verse 3. Isaiah, the 26th chapter and the third verse. It makes a huge difference what you think on all day long. It makes a huge difference what you allow into your eyes, what you allow into your ears, what you allow into your five physical senses. It makes a huge difference. In uh, Isaiah 26 and verse 3, I want to read that with you. Go ahead and read it with me. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he trusts in me. So it's my job, it's your job, it's our responsibility to keep our mind stayed on him. Now, if you see someone that's all vexed, you see someone that's just frustrated, constantly talking doubt and unbelief, you know one thing. They haven't been keeping their mind on him. What am I saying to you today? I'm saying set your mind on your healer, not on the sickness and disease. Set your mind on your provider, not on your problem. Set your mind on what's good in your life instead of what's going bad in your life. Set your mind on how much favor you have in your life instead of how disappointed you've been by life. You see, it's your choice. You can choose to think the thoughts of God or you can choose to think the doubts of the enemy. You can choose to think and to speak favor rather than to think and speak doubt and unbelief. Listen, friend, you can choose life rather than death. You can choose blessing rather than cursing. It's your choice. Now, if you will side in with him and you'll just begin to walk with him you will see that you will be rewarded. Because he has never, ever disqualified a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, that has made the choice to walk with him. Amen. Amen. Say it with me. No more yielding to doubt, to frustration, or vexing thoughts. Hallelujah. He is our primary focus. Lamentation said it like this. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him and to the soul that seeketh for him. When you seek him, he will make himself real to you. Hallelujah. You know, David had a heart to seek the Lord. David really did. In Psalm 61 and verse 1, he said, God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul is thirsty for thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. The Amplified says, Earnestly will I seek you. My inner self thirsts for you. What David is saying is this. I crave, I long, and I I desire earnestly to know him. In verse 6 through 8 he said, When I remember thee upon my bed, and I meditate upon thee in the night watches, because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings I will rejoice. My soul follows hard after thee. Thy right hand upholds me. Walk with your good, good father. 
Make the choice that all week long you're going to feed on His faithfulness. You see, it's true. You and I, at one time in our lives, we were on the wrong course, weren't we? We were on the wrong path in our lives. But Jesus came and saved us and put us on the right path. He said over there in Ephesians 2.10 that I have ordained paths for you to walk in. Here's what Paul said to the church at Colossae. He said, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. John said it like this. If you say you abide in him, even so walk as he walked. What this is saying to us today is we can conduct ourselves in union and in conformity with him. Look at 1 John chapter 1 as we prepare our hearts to receive communion. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6 and 7, a couple of verses. How many of you know that the Bible says the entrance of his word does what? The entrance, entrance of his word gives light. Here's what's happening to you today. Whether you realize it today or not, whether you understand it today or not, light is coming. Light is entering into your heart. God's word is lodging deep within your spirit. Now in 1 John chapter 1, and uh, I want you to notice in verse 6, he said, if we, have, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk where? If we walk in darkness. Walking in darkness is the opposite of walking in the light. Walking in the light is walking in the word. Walking in darkness is just walking in the way of the flesh, right? Walking in darkness is walking in the way of the world. So then he says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we're not doing the truth, right? Okay, now notice in verse 7. Look at this. But, this is us, right? If we walk in the light, the entrance of his word does what? So if we walk in the word, as he is in the light, as he is the word, look at this. We have fellowship. We have companionship. We have communion with one another. And notice this. Read the rest. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Oh, man. There is no greater joy than your Heavenly Father gets than to hear that His sons and His daughters are walking in the truth. It gives Him no greater pleasure than to hear that you and you and me, that we're walking in the light. In other words... We're walking in the truths that we've heard. We're walking in the truths that we have received. Somebody says, well, why does it give him such great joy? It gives him great joy because that positions us to be in fellowship with him. Because if we don't walk in the light and we walk in darkness and we say we have fellowship, we're lying. But when we do walk in the light of God's word, when we do walk with our heavenly father, By walking in the word and walking in love and walking in joy. God says, that's a son. That's a daughter. That's my walking partner. (laughs) He's my walking partner. She's my walking partner. Come on, let's take a walk, son. 
Let's take a let's take a walk, daughter. I got some things I want to share with you. I got some things that I want to impart to you. I got some things that I want to show you. There's some things, son, there's some things, daughter, that you've been wondering about. But now that you're walking in the light, come on, let's go for a stroll. (laughs) Just a closer walk with him. Come on, just a closer walk with him. And in those times walking with him, in those times of fellowship with him, he's going to show you his plan. He's going to reveal some awesome things things to you. Listen, there's no greater joy than your good, good father gets that when you make the decision, I set my heart, I set my mind to walk with him. I set my heart, I set my mind to walk in the light of God's truth. You're not nearly as excited as you should be. (laughs) Don't get under condemnation on a message like this. Don't, don't, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad just because you've been walking in darkness. Make the adjustment. Just make the adjustment. Don't, don't be under condemnation. Your father's not the author of condemnation. He will send a word like to you and a message like this to convict you. Say, yeah, I need to be in the word more. Yeah, I, I need to get that darkness out of my life. Don't be condemned. Get happy. Get happy. Because in His presence, folks, in His fellowship, in the Word, in the light, walking in the light, there's a fullness of joy, there's a fullness of peace, and there's a fullness of love. Woo! Glory to God. Mm. Hallelujah. Come on, guys. They that wait upon the Lord, they're going to renew their strength. They're going to mount up with wings as eagles. They'll walk and won't be weary. They'll run and shall not faint. Glory to God. God's looking for walking partners. He's looking for men and he's looking for women just like you that he can show himself strong to. Are you one of those? That's not strong enough. Are, are, Are you one of those? Are you one of those today? Really? Are you one of them? Will you lift up both hands and say, yes, Lord. I choose to walk with you. Lord, I give you my life. Any area that I've been out of rhythm with, I set my heart to come in rhythm, to get in your flow, to walk in the light as you are in the light. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to walk with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.